everyone, and welcome back to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's still me and Adam Freddie. He's going to be back soon, though, from his holidays in the western side of the world. I think he's been to a couple of places. Can't remember which ones. New York and Barbados. There you go. I do know, so I do know which ones. Retract that first comment. Uh, Adam, you just need to, you just need to oh. say the west side as well, because there's not that many places in the western hemisphere. So there's those, many like... countries. Yeah, but if you include, include South America, it's like 12, 10, 12 countries there, probably. Oh, I don't know. And then you got the Caribbeans, and then North America, all right. There's only three countries there, so that's a good point. Well, that's still like a good two dozen, isn't it? Well, I can so. never I can never remember with Central America because you've got like some islands that are mm. countries and some that are just like British. Like the Cayman Islands isn't its own country. It's like mm. British. It's like Commonwealth, but still part of Britain kind of thing. So, yeah, this isn't the Winging It Geography podcast, and now you're seeing why, but yeah, I can't. Actually, fun fact, um, Samoa either gained or lost today. They will have lost today because they used to be Tuesday. on. They're, they're in like the middle of the Pacific, and they used to be on US time because they thought they were going to trade more with US, or they did trade more with US back in the day. But then, as like things went on, then they started trading more with Australia and Asia. So they changed to make business easier. Then they changed their time, so they went forward a whole day to become on Australian time so they skipped they like moved across the date line some oh like, you said lost a day I thought you said lost today that's why I said Tuesday no, no oh, they didn't I thought, like, they I thought you meant they like lost a rugby game or something I've always said no, today no. not our day sorry yeah, a, a day they a they day. lost I think it's like might have been 2000 I think, I think they did it on New Year's like East Flash Day but I can't remember which year it wasn't that long ago though probably while we've been alive while you well Freddie's been alive but that doesn't narrow it down much but yeah, yeah. And if, fact. You, and if you've listened or watched every episode of our podcast, you've lost about six days. Yeah, six days. If you've listened to every single one, uh, find us on Spotify, Apple and YouTube. Of course, you can see my funny reactions to everything Adam says. I always react with my face as well as my mouth. It's uh, only six <laughs> days worth of stuff. Six times like, twenty four, isn't it? So yeah, I guess so. Uh, We've done one hundred forty odd episodes, so you know. Uh, yeah. Well, it Come on like to the big one five L soon, <laughs> huh? Feels like more than that. Feels like more. Oh, you try, you you try. You're all right. You try sitting through one hundred forty eight episodes consecutively. No way. Yeah. No one can. And if anyone does, I will give them ten grand. So you know, get us in anyway. Uh, enough of that. We can nah, not enough. Back. Yeah, I've I've, be, I've started listening to this podcast, History Daily, and it does uh, something that happened every day. It like talks about an event that happened in history on that day. Um, like every, I, I don't know. I think they've been going we'll losing views every time you speak about this. So, honestly, check it out. If people are interested, if people survive my Samoa fact, then you're going to be interested in this. So this uh, for today, it's the failed assassination of Lenin. In 1918, 30th of August, obviously, although this is going up tomorrow. So, you know, listen to it tomorrow and then comment on whatever thing it is tomorrow. It'll probably say at the end of this episode, actually. But yeah, enjoy. Speaking of Lenin, he had nothing to do with the Dutch Grand Prix, which we're going to be speaking about in a bit. But first, we're going to get on to some what we usually say is the news section, but there's been no actual news. There's lots of rumours and reports about drivers for next year and where they're going to go. The latest uh, 
like almost certain thing, although there's been no statement, is Autosport have reported that Mick Schumacher has cut ties with Ferrari. Does this have any effect on his seat? I don't think so too much because I think it is down to Haas anyway. But Mick Schumacher first, Adam, before we get on to, well, not everyone else, before we get on to some other drivers, what do we think his future is? Is it Alpine? Is it Haas? Is it Alpha Tauri? Is it Williams? Is it not in F1? It's a difficult one. He, in June, I think in July around the Silverstone weekend, then Steiner said they'd not started um, like properly negotiating the seat, but Schumacher was the only one they'd like approached or talked to or had on their shortlist. So, but obviously a lot of water and racing under the bridge since then, even though we're coming not at Monza yet, which has got the most famous F1 bridge on the calendar. But still, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, I think I would say it's most likely that he's at Haas next year still. I'm not sure I really buy the Alpine stuff. It would just be a bit weird. Mm. I'm just kind of not sure where the, where the attraction is there unless he's like, I don't know, he'd be probably third. Well, be fourth choice behind Alonso, Piastri and Gasly, at least. So it kind of feels like, uh, yeah, if they miss on everyone else, then they'll go for him. So So if if Gasly goes to Alpha Tauri, which you're saying, you know, he's above Schumacher in the pecking order, does that leave a space at Alpha Tauri for him? If if Gasly goes to Alpine. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. If Gasly goes to Alpine, sorry. Yeah. yeah, it would do. And Sonoda's not safe there either, so it could be, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's complicated. I mean, you know, I can see them. I don't know. I can see them bringing in someone like Teo Porcher or just like Snipe. A bit like Freddie called that they might bring Schumacher into the yeah. fold, maybe doing like a Teo Porcher if they can. And I think I said Drugovic to Alfatari. I think yeah. So and he's still performing very well. He, he won the. Oh, what did he win the feature race on? No, sorry, he came second at Spa on, in the feature yeah. race on so But still, you know, very good performance still. Yeah, I think, yeah, I just don't, again, like, if you're going, I, I still see Sonoda staying, and then I feel like they'd be more likely to bring someone like that in, because I just don't, like, if you're looking for someone to partner Max Verstappen, where is, like, I, I, don't, I don't think Schumacher has a, higher potential than Gasly or Albon to be honest and we've seen how that went already so yeah that's again I just don't really see it so I see Haas being the most likely is he good enough to stay at Haas though is he good because this season yes right so he's had the crashes Saudi Arabia Monaco not just that he was miles off Magnussen first what seven or eight races but then since Canada Canada, Silverstone and Austria, I think it was, off memory. He scored in Austria and Silverstone and then he had that retirement in Canada, but he was very strong in qualifying in the wet, qualified on the third row, which was very good. Uh, So, you know, he showed pure performance there that he could match Magnussen. And I think recently, Haas has now finally been shown up with the development or the lack of development. I think they, they are the team that have brought the least upgrades this season. And that's why they've recently, it's just been harder and harder for Schumacher to kind of stand out, let's say. But I think from what I've seen, he is matching Magnussen. 
but he's not really beaten him. So is matching Magnussen enough? And you know, does he need to improve? Because for me, I think Schumacher needs to, you know, find that extra step and beat Magnussen the next two or three races to secure his seat at Haas. If he has another big mistake or if he starts to underperform at Zandvoort, Monza, and then into Singapore, that is where I think he could be out of F1, I think. I mean, we're talking about the team that kept Grosjean and Magnussen going for about two seasons too long. I think I've had said this about Alfa Romeo in the Silly Season special, that it's it's not, you know, they were going to keep Mazepin on for this season as well. It's it's kind of the Haas ways to err uh, on the side of portion and stick with their drivers. So I can, I can see, yeah, I, I still, I think he's shown enough. Like you say, he has had a comeback and I think, I think they only need to see enough potential for next year. And I think he's shown that I don't really think he needs to be beating Magnuson week in, week out. That's just my gut feeling is that they want to, you know, they'd need to find a reason for him to go. And I'm not sure there really is that. I think if he's equal with Magnuson, then they'll convince himself that he can stay. That's my read on it. And again, I think once you, yeah, once you take out Piastri and Gasly off the table, then it's then, you know, you're looking at Ricardo, maybe someone like Porsche or Drogovic coming in. So I think there's not enough of a reason to flip I quite like it if, well, you know, I, I like Schumacher, he seems like a nice guy, but I, it would be interesting if they did bring him one of those. But unless you're looking at a really high profile or high potential driver, I'm not really sure they'll go for it personally. Well, the big favourite, Autosport, and I think a couple of other big publications are reported. Can't remember who, so I'm not going to name them, but, you know, they are big, big sites. Is Antonio. Antonio Giovinazzi, who has got the practice uh, runs at Monza and uh, USA for Haas, he is the big favourite at the moment. Uh, why? Not too sure, because we kind of know how good or bad he is, depending on how you rate him. Didn't do too well in Formula E, but I think what it is, the only thing I can think is Haas looking for experience and someone who's cheaper than Ricardo. Because that's why they had Magnussen and Grosjean for so long, because they were so experienced. Maybe they want a similar thing with Magnussen and Giovinazzi, two experienced drivers, and you know for that a similar scenario. Whereas Schumacher is still quite young, and they potentially don't want to go down that route. Uh, but at the moment, he is the favourite. So you know, does he have that much more experience than Schumacher, though? So, so twenty seventeen did two races, then twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. So he's done three, three and a bit seasons. Yeah, Schumacher's yeah. done two. At the end of next season, he'll have done three if they keep him. I don't really. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, for some no, reason, no, I know. He, he, I know. He is the big I, know you... I mean, I'm not sure either. I, I yeah. certainly, I wouldn't go for it. But those are the unless rumors, it, right? Unless now. it's Ferrari, kind of putting their weight around, but I don't really see what, like, they Hats would... are saying that it's up to them. And this is what I mean, because when this news came out about him doing the practice sessions, it doesn't count towards the mandatory young driver sessions, which the teams have to do. This is just Haas putting Giovinazzi in because they want to. That's why I thought there's got to be something going on here. And I know at the time we said, oh, there's a 1% chance. But I know in the back of my head, I was thinking, it's got some... it's just, it was just felt a bit strange. And it does increasingly look like, especially if Schumacher does 
underperform, I can see Giovinazzi taking a seat. It'd just be like, it'd, it'd just be so, it'd, just, it'd be so depressing. Like, I, you know, he, he just wasn't, like like you said, we know exactly what we've got. I think Schumacher is a better driver than Antonio Giovinazzi, and we both said there's reservations about Schumacher, so I think that's saying a lot. So, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just, I still don't see it. But... Okay. Equally, you know, like they they called um, Alonso to ask. I didn't see that either. So you know, but it's just I I think I don't want to believe in it. Like you know, yeah. We we always talk like like before the podcast. He didn't even mention it or like yeah. Bring it so like it's it's just you know, Giovinazzi. You know, seems a great guy, Italian Jesus, whatever. But he's not he's not a future F one race winner. He's not probably a future F one podium sitter. So it's not, yeah. I just don't, I just don't see it at all. But yeah, I think, I, I, I still think Schumacher. I'd still, I'm still about, I'd say seventy five percent. I think Schumacher will be in the seventy five eighty percent. I think that Schumacher will be at Haas next season. Okay, uh, Alpine, Gasly to Alpine. Do you think that will happen? Because it is increasingly looking like, or well, I think Helmut Marco said over, over the weekend that Red Bull are prepared to let him go as well. And I'm sure Gasly, he knows, we know after uh, his little stint at Red Bull in 2019, it ended on bad terms. The team, like the actual engineers and the crew didn't really like him as well. So they didn't really get on. It looks like he's never going to go back to Red Bull. So surely if, if Alpine the seat is available, uh, and by the way, the Oscar Piastri contract thing is still ongoing as we're recording. So, you know, this is all speculation. Uh, if the seat is available at Alpine, which it looks like it will be to replace Alonso, is Gasly going to go there, do you think? I really think he should. The problem is I've been stung by this for the last two seasons is I've said Gasly should leave Red Bull. I can't remember where I said he should go last season. I think the season before I said he should go to Alpine before Alonso got announced. But um, yeah. Yeah, so um, the the only the, the only thing is like you know I've predicted that twice and it's not happened, but the logic's still there. It it seems to make so much sense with with Red Bull. They get the Alpha Tauri seat freed up. He's not the future there. And how much how much do Red Bull and or well, obviously Alpha Tauri care, but how much do Red Bull really care about you know that team being really competitive versus? Plus, being they'll able get to... some money because Alpine would have to buy him out of his contract. Yes, yeah. Gasly signed a new contract to stay at Alpha Tauri next year, so Red Bull will get some money from that. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is what this is what I said when we were talking about Gasly's contract the first when it was announced is that and money can solve things and money can solve contracts and get people out of contracts. So, I, it was always on the cards and. I just, I really think it should happen. I know there's history between uh, Ocon and Gasly, and they just like don't talk to each other now from French either karting or like F4. Um, so I know that's there, but like, come on, like you're they've grown up, they're both in their mid 20s, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think no matter how bad it was, you know, they've these. F1 drive, these sports people, they've got to the level they are because they have the right mindset. So mm. I think they can, you know, resolve whatever went on, let's say, and we don't know how bad bad it was. But I think they can resolve it. They can get on. 
it's it'd, just, be such, it'd be such an Alpine just, thing to have that combustible lineup as well. I'd quite it, like that. It's just Ocon hasn't, you know, Perez didn't really like him. Alonso, you know, in Hungary we saw Ocon yeah. was very aggressive against him. He has got a bit of a thing, let's say. Obviously, we know Verstappen doesn't get on well with Ocon. It does seem a lot of the grid doesn't get on with him. So it's nothing, you know, yes, the Gasly relationship is probably the worst, but it's nothing... No, like completely new, you know, it is there is something there, you know, clash yeah. of personalities or whatever. But I think you're right, you know, the, this, we're talking to, about something that was 10 15 years ago, yeah. so so I mean, like, you know, they can move on. Like, why, why do you know, why doesn't it make sense? Because you get a proven midfield operator, a race winner going to a team that is still looking like that, someone in their mid-20s, so they've still got plenty of time left in their careers, probably still coming into their maybe perfect prime. Gasly has maybe dropped off. He's not... I think he's improved every season. He's been at Toro Rosso AlphaTauri until now. This is the first season where it's been a bit of a plateau or maybe even a bit of a dip. So I think, you know, he can't stay there forever. And I think this is maybe a good time to get out of that and take on a new challenge. It's a French team, obviously, there's that link, although maybe I've overblown that in the past. I don't think they kind of lie awake at night trying to get two French drivers into that team. But, you know, it, it's it's another it's another link. So, yeah, I... Yeah, I'd, if I hadn't been stung twice by saying this in the last two years, then I'd be absolutely on it. I still just think it makes so much sense. I don't really see why they wouldn't go for it unless they get Piastri you know, unless they win the yeah. contract recognition board with Piastri. But yeah, I just, it, it just seems to make so much sense. So yeah, yeah that's my take. Uh, Ricardo latest, I've seen him being linked with Alpine, Williams and Haas over since we last spoke about it last week. So, um, you know, honestly, just take your pick if you're listening or watching this. No, well, for what I'll say for all of this is a lot is up in the air and it's going to depend on what happens on one seat and then the rest will yeah. follow. And I don't think this is, we're going to find out at least till October. That's my thing. I don't think we'll hear anything. I might be wrong, but I don't think we'll hear anything in September, or at least not till like towards the very end. But Ricardo latest, you, any of your thoughts on it changed, Adam, or not still not sure? Uh, I still feel pretty good about my Ricardo to Williams prediction. Okay. And I don't, <laughs> I just think the more to take Latifi seat, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just think the more um, rumors that come out about the Alpine seat, the less likely it is that he's going there. I think there wouldn't maybe be. I know a lot of it's hot air and whatever, but I just don't think there's no smoke without fire, and I don't think there'd be this level of linkage going on between Schumacher and Gasly and whoever if they were really set on Ricardo. So, to me. Has is quite an interesting one. I can see I that. I'd, if you've yeah. got the money, and if, well, a bit more money, uh, Ricardo takes a bit of a pay cut in the meet in the middle. I can see that. I can see Gene Haas push, pushing it yeah. as well. So, yeah, I think that, I mean, if I was Ricardo, oh, they're both kind of not amazing options, but if I was Ricardo, I'd probably pick Haas over Williams. But, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, I just said, for no, go on. no, no, sorry. I, I was gonna say, just for balance, uh, Jos Capito did say to Sky Sports F1 on uh, Friday it was that uh, Williams wants to keep their current lineup of Latifi and Albon, so that's the latest like official stuff going from there. Oh. <laughs> 
I know of like the, the word. No, the worst thing is he said like he's happy with Latifi's improvements, but Latifi hasn't improved. If anything, Latifi has you know downgraded a bit. Sorry, dropped off this year. Last year, yeah, you can make a case for him that he could that he should stay on the grid, and he he probably earned this seat because he was quite close to Russell, even beat him a few times. But this year, it's been pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, that's the latest going from Williams there. For me, I think either one of Ricardo or Schumacher will not be on the grid. It's just a matter of which one for me. Okay. That's that's interesting. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm like 90% sure about at the moment. Everything else, I I honestly couldn't. And you know me, I love to have my opinion on things, but I honestly have no idea which way it could, it could, it could go. With with the you know, with Alpha with the Alpha Tower seats, with the Alpine seat, with the past Williams seat, so yeah, yeah, mm. like problem is like the more I talk about each thing, then <laughs> I talk myself into believing it. So I said I was 75-80% sure Schumacher would be at Haas, but then talking about Ricardo, that seems to make <laughs> so much sense. And then yeah, I'm just a bit yeah, I'm kind of a bit uh, I don't know all that. Well, let's see with it, but oh man, I don't know. Yeah, that is a tough one. The last thing is that if Gasly does leave, or even if AlphaTauri want to replace Sonoda, Red Bull are looking at Colton Herter, uh, the IndyCar driver, they're looking to sign him. But I think, like we mentioned five, ten minutes ago, they could easily, you know, bar sign Drugovich or something from F2, or they could even like Nick Logan Sargent or do something mm. wild like that. But Herter. Is like on the towards the top of the list of candidates of potentially replacing either Sonoda or replacing Gasly, depending on how many how many seats are open. So, yeah, is there any thoughts on that, Adam? No, I was going to say I don't think Red Bull would replace both drivers at once, but I no, they would. They would absolutely replace both drivers at once. So, yeah, I don't think they'll probably give too much thought to that. Um, Again, they're think... in the best position, really. They're just watching everything that happens, and they've got the money to go and decide yeah. someone from IndyCar or someone from a current F1 driver or an F2 driver. So they must be laughing with, with what they've got. And so many drivers would want to be there. Yeah. yeah. It, it's apart from Ricardo and Gasly, I think every yeah. other driver should want to be at AlphaTauri because it's a good, it's a really solid setup. So, yeah, it's again like. With, with, with people, someone like Herta or Ricardo, where it's just absolute shotgun blasts everywhere of where they could be, then I'm not really <laughs> buying into any any one thing in particular. It's more, I mean, I know Schumacher's been, you know, had had a few things come out, but it seems it's Alpine Hass or nothing. And with Gasly, it seems like it's Alpine or Alpha Tauri. I don't think they get rid of Gasly if he doesn't want to leave personally. But yeah. yeah, with Herter and Ricardo, it just seems like any anyone with a blog is linking him somewhere. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the last thing I'll say on this silly season to anyone who is listening or watching, having known well, having got a very good idea of what F1 media is like, there is a lot of shit around. So honestly, just keep an eye on Autosport, keep an eye on the race. Those keep kind an of eye big on us sites. and Total yeah, Motorsport. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, even though I work for Eurosport and Total Motorsport, honestly, those, what the two sites I just mentioned there, 
those are the sites to be looking out for. They will have the inside knowledge and the know-how and they'll know the people rather than sites, let's say, and no disrespect to them, rather than people who don't have those contacts, let's say. So if you do want to find out the true, genuine information, uh, read and listen to those sites rather than other websites. That would be the only thing I'd say. But like I said, this is all going to change again this time next week, probably. Uh, Adam, you got one last thing to say before we talk about Zanfort. Yeah, I mean, firstly, keep an eye on this podcast feed as well, because as soon as something happens, we will be doing an emergency podcast because it's it's so much fun. But just on general point, like, man, I love it. Like, I know, oh, yeah, I know, so there's, I know there's so much going on, but it's so much fun. Like, yeah. it it feels, it just feels like there are so many so many ambiguities and so many unknowns even just from a month ago that we yeah. thought we knew and ah, it's so good I, I, even I last week yeah. yeah yeah because I mean last season wasn't last season there wasn't too much going on from memory it was yeah. you know the Alfa, Alfa Romeo where it kind of That's felt just... like there was a prevailing wind on that and this season it's just like man there's it's so much going on I love it yeah, it's always making up for the track action in a way. Like last year was the yeah. peak in terms of you know, the championship for me. Best ever season will never ever be beaten. This silly season is going to be pretty hard to beat as well. We've not even mentioned the Piastri thing again because uh, we're just waiting on that and we don't want to get involved in the legal situation there. Uh, so, yeah, we'll leave that to one side and come back to it. When we do hear some news, let's talk about the race. Because we've got the second Grand Prix of the triple header. It's Zandvoort first, the second race since it's come back onto the calendar last year. And, well, it was a brilliant atmosphere, wasn't it, Adam? Like, with all the, I know it's very one-sided, obviously, but it feels like F1 needs those kind of atmosphere, the atmospheres and those races where you get so much support for one driver. It just created something brilliant, didn't it? Yeah, like they've got their own mini stadium section just before you go onto the curve that leads onto the home straight again. It just works so well. I think we have seen a lot of stories more this season than last season about the Saturn fans in particular boiling over and some more unsavoury sides to that. But if they can keep it between you know, on the side of fun rather than, you know, uncomfortable, then it is really, that's what draws people to F1 is seeing stuff like that and being a part of that. So yeah, fingers crossed there are no negative headlines about it because when you see, I know I was looking through for, again, the thumbnail for this episode, when you see some of the pictures from, um, from last season, it's, it's just so, yeah, it it it's it's just such a spectacle, and that's what I really that's what I really love about F one more than and kind of why I struggle to, um, you know, warm to maybe some of the motorsports is because it's just got that level of spectacle and atmosphere that other motorsports don't have outside of them really big ticket events. So yeah, it's hopefully it's going to be a fantastic weekend for all fans and particularly um, you know the staff man's having a, a good time. Yeah, and the track as well. I absolutely love it. Yes, it's very difficult to overtake, but it is proper old school. I'm so glad F1 brought a proper old school track mm. back. I mean, the banked corners, so one's a bit banked, and then you've got the very banked turn four, because there's a little turn two, three, shimmy, uh, and then the super fast middle sector going through that, and the final corner, which they're going to trial DRS in free practice one through there. Hopefully, we'll have it in the race to have a bit more overtaking because that would be quite good because it does 
you know, the, the straights are quite short there. But yeah, qualifying there, there might be a bit, bit of rain as well this weekend. So if the rain's kind of dripping down the bankings and there's like rivers, that'll be even more challenging. So yeah, I think it is going to be a spectacle. Uh, quickly on the title race, Adam, I can't remember if we talked about this at Spa, but we both think it's game over, don't we? Uh, yeah, I mean, f- firstly on, on Zambot, I completely echo your thoughts on that. It's a fantastic, it's one, on the F1 game then, it's one that I just really enjoy driving because it's such a challenge, but so enjoyable at the same time. And yeah, it, it's already re-establishing itself as a classic on the calendar. With the, with the title race, I know we talked about Ferrari strategy last episode, but I was thinking actually, I do back the call. Having thought about it some more, because you're in a better position than you have been for the last at least two seasons. Go for it. Like it's not, I think they need Ferrari need to be going for all of these things. And yes, they need to execute. And yes, they need to run the right speed in the pit lane and you know make those calls. But I do think there is still that chance. And I know it's a huge gap. I know it's a hundred point gap, but there's always that chance. And they re- they need to keep trying for these options and whether it's for two points or 20 points i think if they can just keep going and keep giving it their best effort and hope something comes around i do i do really want to see that even though i think it is over i do really want to keep seeing ferrari going for for it and taking risks to try and draw it back in any way they can i agree with that actually that's why i wasn't that harsh i didn't have much to say after uh, the race when we brought it up on Sunday, which you should go back and watch, by the way, before uh, the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, like, that's why I didn't really go on a big rant like I did at, in France or after Silverstone or after Monaco <laughs> uh, and Hungary. <laughs> Just those four races there. Uh, but, yeah, and the bigger mistake was Leclerc speeding in the pit lane. That was the bigger mistake, really, because if he didn't do that, then he would have... Uh, got fifth rather than six, so that's the bigger mistake. Uh, so yeah, that, that's my take on that, mm. really. Uh, yeah, so, I think yeah. I, I think it's easy to get drawn into, and 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 I did, I, I kind of went in a bit more harshly on them post race, and there's the emotion, and we've seen it so many times this season, but yeah, actually, you've got to go for that, like, you, you have to try and get every point and back yourself to execute because if you can't back yourself to execute something like that. What, you, you know, why are you turning up every weekend? So, yeah, I think I, th- I think they just have to keep going for it because oh, it's, yeah. they're, they're, rely- they're relying on Red Bull mistakes and Red Bull and Verstappen don't make many mistakes. And we've seen that over the past right. two seasons. So I think it's, it's pretty unlikely that we will get a real title race, to be honest. But, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, I, I applaud Ferrari for keep going for it and, yeah, keep Keep plugging away, and fingers crossed, something something can come up. But absolutely, I mean, they went for it with science. On, I mean, people won't have noticed this, but they pitted science before the Red Bull to prevent the Red Bull from undercutting him. You know, that was aggressive. You know, to be in the lead and pit first. I always think that's an aggressive strategy play, and that was absolutely the right thing to do. So, you know, the small things like that uh, for me stand out. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to see how they do this weekend. But they're going to have to be much more competitive, aren't they, Adam? Because the gap at Spa was huge from Red Bull and Verstappen to the rest of the field. But I do feel it was a one-off. I feel a combination of the track, you know, Verstappen saying that he felt good with the car straight away, which is quite 
well, I'd say it's uncommon. It's, it's, it's not often that that happens where a driver feels good with the car straight away. Normally, they, you know, they've got a bit of understeer here or just sliding in slow speed corners, that kind of thing. And it, or, or they just lack in pure downforce. But it just sounds like Verstappen was happy immediately. So, you know, that might not happen this weekend. I think also Verstappen's brand new engine as well. Normally, when you put a new power unit into the car, the first race or first couple of races, you really feel the kind of newness or freshness of it. So I think, you know, that exacerbated things a bit. And the track layout, of course, I think it just suited out Red Bull's uh, aerodynamic, efficient car. Whereas this weekend, with the lack of straights, I'm quite sure Ferrari and Mercedes will be a lot closer. Whether they'll have enough to beat them, not too sure, but I think they'll be closer, uh, especially Mercedes, actually, because, uh, yeah, they were in qualifying, at least they were nowhere. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts this weekend, Adam, on what we're going to see at, at the front? Pretty similar to be fair. I do, I do think Ferrari will be a lot more competitive or maybe Rebel will be a bit less competitive um, is maybe a better way of putting it. Monsieur Bonotto seems, you know, I guess he's got to seem upbeat, but he did seem, you know, optimistic that there would be a chance, although he also seemed optimistic there was a chance for Monza. So we don't know. But um, yeah, that's to come in a week. I think, yeah, if I was, I think Leclerc will take pole. Okay. I think in, in the race, Man, because the problem is, I feel like Ferrari needs if he's on bit... If he's on pole, then he's got track position on the track, on, you know, one of the toughest tracks to overtake at, so... Yeah, the problem is, I feel like Ferrari, to cover up for potential ineptitude, then they need to be so much quicker than Red Bull to make it not a competition, because I think, you know, if they're te- a tenth or two ahead of Red Bull, that just equalizes Red Bull's kind of efficiency as a team and as a unit. So yeah. there's that. But yeah, I, I feel I feel optimistic for them. I think I think they'll be pretty evenly matched. I think it'll to be honest just come down to strategy and I hope so. Yeah. I, I guess I guess the other thing is whether you know whether Sainz and Perez can get involved. So back a back science to be able to get into that fight a bit more than Perez just judging on how, you know, the last few races, particularly the Belgian Grand Prix have gone. So I think if science can, if science can qualify third, then that will be a good position for them. So I, I feel pretty optimistic for Ferrari. I think if you were looking at this triple header, then this is probably the one that you target despite Monza being the home yeah. race and all of that. No, you're absolutely right. This track layout suits them far better than Monza. We, you know, people, you, you'll will have to forget, or Ferrari will have to forget that you know Monza is the home race because it it won't do anything when the track's full of straights. Basically, Red Bull have better straight line speed. But I, I think what I want to see most this weekend is a proper fight between Ferrari and Red Bull, Leclerc and Verstappen at the front because we haven't had one since. We're talking about Miami, and that was at the start of May, and we're at the end of August. It's going to be September when the weekend's happening because Hungary, you know, 
just got the strategy wrong with hard tyres, so we didn't really see a race long scrap there. France Leclerc crashed. Austria Verstappen wasn't competitive. Silverstone Verstappen got the piece of debris stuck in his car, so went backwards after lap twelve. Canada Leclerc started at the back. Azerbaijan the Ferrari's engines blew, blew up. Monaco strategy with Leclerc. Spain Leclerc's engine blew up. So we're talking all the way back to Miami for the last you know race long scrap between Ferrari and Red Bull, which is absolutely crazy considering like last year, it was pretty much every race where we had Mercedes and Red Bull, Hamilton and Verstappen going head to head. And that's what I loved about it. And that is the big missing ingredient this year. You know, forget about the mistakes, forget about strategy uh, blunders and that kind of thing. I want want to see a pure race long scrap because it's been far too long since we've seen one. And that for me this year, F1, F1 2022, that is the thing that's been missing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's interesting that you didn't throw Mercedes into that mix as well. Yeah. But yeah, we've not... Leclerc's beaten Verstappen twice since the European leg started. I think that tells wow. you all you need to know, to be honest. So since Spain? Since Imola. Oh. Since him, oh, okay, right, yeah, Inclusive. they've got Miami and Canada and Baku, haven't they? And they're not here, but I get, I, I get, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Since okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mercedes, quickly, do we think dirt's again? I think like Ferrari, this is going to be the best track. I think, I think for me, this is Mercedes's last chance to win on pure pace. I think for them to win, and I know before the summer break, I was very optimistic about them, but for them to win on pure pace. I don't think they can win any of the remaining races. I think they can win one by luck or chaos because there's always going to be a chaotic race in, you know, further down the line you know, or, or just wet weather perhaps. But I think on pure dry pace, this is Mercedes' last chance, I think. Yeah, I'd, mm, I'd maybe throw Japan in there as the only other one that's a contender. I think about but... some of the straights though. Japan, like... Yeah, but it's, mm, the Silverstone for Staffan wasn't in the fight, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd still throw it isn't a contender, but yeah, like Zan- okay. Zandvoort is the, I'd say Zandvoort's clear as the kind of favourite um, one to win a race. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a big one. I'm, I'm not that optimistic for them, to be honest, but I still, you know, I, I, I think they're more likely to win by craziness happening than by... Yes by pure pace to be honest but yeah if they're, if they're targeting a weekend then this is the one to do it yeah there is a bit of rain forecast for Sunday but we're still four or five days away so they say they'll be hoping for that I mean if I think they'll be hoping for warmer weather as well I think it's going to be 24 23 degrees Mercedes for me one of the other weaknesses as, as well as straight line speed is tyre temperature they just cannot generate it if it is cold I mean that's what we saw at Spa with the slow out laps and then in qualifying, they're just nowhere. Whereas in the race, they have pretty good tyre wear. That's why George Russell was coming back towards sides. Because Ferrari's tyre wear wasn't that good. Mercedes's was. So that's why he was coming back towards sides towards the end. So uh, it's going to be tricky. It is, it is going to be tricky. I'm, I mean, I, I really would love to see how to continue his streak of winning a race in every single season. But it does feel after Zandvoort. It's going to be tough. And, and I also read because of the damage that he took from his big hit with Alonso, he's going to have to take a grid penalty because I think the engine might be damaged. That's why he's got told to stop like suddenly uh, rather than crawling round. But he was already crawling round for like four or five kilometres yeah. anyway. 
Uh, so he's going to have to take a grid penalty at some point, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, that's not very optimistic, is it, at all? <laughs> but there's, there's, yeah, who knows? It's uh, yeah. a, a, a track like Zandvoort, like any, you know, it, it can, people can get stuck or there is more of that chance happening. That's the only thing I'll say that, yeah, we're being pretty pessimistic. And I think after Belgium, then it's hard not to be. But I think the two things, two things to kind of cross fingers for are, you know, it can, it just throw a bit of a spanner in the works, making it harder to get past there. And also, you know, I'd imagine Ferrari especially will be looking for a really big response because they need to give their fans some reason to be cheerful before the home race, at least. So, yeah, that's my only two possible notes. But you're right, it's it's yeah. looking, uh, the staff one's just like looking so good, Rebel looking so good. So we shall see. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only other thing to look out for this weekend is if the, how different the pecking order in the midfield is compared to Spa, because we've had the new technical directive, we'll get another track to see, you know, if Haas have dropped back, for example, which it looks like they have, and uh, you know, if Alpine can keep up the competitiveness and that kind of thing. I don't think there's any drivers for me who will particularly stand out or any teams, I think it is just going to come down to fine margins. Uh, is that the same case with you, Adam, for the midfield? Yeah, I think I kind of have maybe some faith for Alpine and particularly Alonso. I think, I just think they've, for so long of the season, they've been mired in this kind of clash with McLaren that shouldn't have really, they should have been clear of them long ago, but they did get, a very good result at Belgium and they did decent at Spa as well. So, uh, same track. But uh, yeah, I think, I, I reckon, I still think they'll be the one to beat for me. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, Alpine are a solid fourth team. I think yeah. they'll be at pretty much every race. I, I think they're almost in their own. I mean, I'm, like they're not near the front, but I think to, at the very front of the midfield and I don't think the you know, I think they've just got an edge over everyone else. I think everyone else is kind of going up and down a bit and Alpine are pretty constant this mm. season. That's how I've seen I think the car's quite versatile. Uh, and Alonso last year at Zandvoort was very, very good as well. He, he was the first driver to find the, find the outside line at uh, turn four, which is which I love, by the way, the old how to go around the outside there. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so we make some quick predictions then, which we never come back to, but we do anyway, just for the love of it. Uh, yes. Yeah, Poland winner, Adam. Uh, well, I've already said Leclerc for the pole position, so I'm going to mm. stick with that. I'd, I'm going to say him for the winner as well, because, like, please, you know, it's. I, I hope. <laughs> I hope so. I want. I want to see. Want to see some action going on. So yeah, I'm going to go Leclerc. And then everything's going to be mental hyping up to Monza as well. So that'll be fun to watch from the sidelines. So, yeah, I'm going to go Leclerc, winner, Verstappen, second place, and Fernando Alonso, third, because I'm feeling it. Because of the rain and Alpine, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Verstappen, Paul Verstappen, win. I think he's too good. I think he's just... I think he's too good. (laughs) I think the car would be too good. I think they'll have a tenth or two on Ferrari as well. And that'll be enough. And the whole track, we saw how he, I mean, if he could handle the pressure last year in the, you know, in such an intense title fight, then this year will be a bit easier. Yes, there's still going to be pressure and all the media commitments, but, you know, he's done it once, so he can do it twice. And that's how, that's how I see it, really. So, yeah, there we go. That is today's podcast. We'll hopefully be back 
to review the Zandvoort race at the Dutch Grand Prix. Uh, my thanks to Adam, as usual. My thanks to you for listening. Go and find us on Twitter at Adam Dickinson01 and Freddie when he's back for at Fredcoats1999. You can find our tweets there because that's what Twitter is for. Great. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. Uh... Nothing, nothing, not a, not a goodbye. No, nothing, no. Sometimes I don't wave bye. <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah. quite often I don't wave. I, I don't wave bye or say bye. Yeah. Well, you've said it about three or four times there. So, <laughs> <Stike>. <laughs>